In a world where chronic DVD and Blu-ray acquisition disorder runs amok, Colin faces a daunting task. With a collection of over 1,200 titles, can he bring himself to watch the 65 films that sit on his shelves, unwatched, unloved, and still under wraps? Hello. And welcome to Still Under Wraps. My name is Colin, and with me, as always, is my fellow film watcher, compadre, and son, Thomas. Hi, hello. Hello. You've Hi. had a busy week. No, I haven't really. <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> Uh, before we get into that, just a quick uh, recap on what this podcast is all about. Stack of DVDs on our shelves because we collect DVDs. All right, I collect DVDs mm. and Blu-rays. And in such collection, one it inevitably ends up with DVDs that have been grabbed because they were cheap and have been recommended. And I still haven't watched them. Like, I haven't watched them at the cinema, and I haven't watched them on DVD, even though I've got them on the shelf. So they're unwatched, unloved, and still under wraps. Mm -hmm. The cellophane is still surrounding the package. Sound effect for uh, emphasis. Okay, and so we're making our way through that stack of unwatched, unloved, and still under wraps DVDs. And watching them and giving our th brief thoughts on them straight after watching them. And then I decide whether they stay on the shelf. Mm. This week, uh, you were required to do a little bit of homework because it is a sort of a sequel mm. of, of sorts. Sort of. Um, more so than the director suggested in all the build-up to the release of said film. Um mm. The film in question, oh, sorry, uh, sorry, in the build-up to the prequel to this particular film. Um, yes. Yes. Okay. So, Alien and Aliens were films, and I watched them back-to-back -back on Monday, and they were interesting, I, I guess. I, <laughs> They were okay. Um, they're classics, Thomas, in the genre. Yeah. Uh, or actually, they're classics in their own genres because in a lot of ways they're not in the same genre other than the uh, the subheading of science fiction. Mm. And then uh, earlier today, uh, we both sat down and watched Prometheus. We did, didn't we? Yes. And I deliberately didn't ask your uh, thoughts on any of the films that you've watched and therefore i'm dreading how tonight is going to go if that's what you thought of alien and aliens um because and prometheus like i i recognize all three of these films as as good films and and important films but but they just weren't for me yep yep fair enough um is that because of the uh, the intensity and the horror and the... Alien, and and I'm going to sound really bad here, I, th I think it's a little slow. Right. It's a little slow to get, to get where it's going. Fair enough. Um, it's nowhere near as bad as 2001, but it, it's slow to get where it's going. Yeah, uh, okay. I, I will 
from the sensibility of being a uh, millennial child, mm. I will accept that. Um, growing up where everything has to be very rapid and, and, and fast-paced. And Aliens did hold my attention better. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a very different film to Aliens. Yeah, yeah, it's very much an action film. And, uh, and Prometheus might be, it might be a different film again. Uh, you could say that. Yeah. I, I don't have a particularly fond place in my heart for Prometheus, I must admit. But um, it's just because oh, the writing was really, really bad, I thought. Really? Yes, I found the the script really bad and and the the parallels between certain classic movies and um, not science fiction ones, but uh, or even science fiction ones, um, it just laid certain things on really, really thick, and some of the characters were extremely one-dimensional. And yeah, who hired that crew, as Kermit the Frog would say? Mm. It, it, it was just a disaster waiting to happen with the crew that had been selected. I don't know. I thought the writing was all right. There were just some things happening around the middle that left me with with a slightly sick feeling that didn't go away for the rest of the film. Right. Yep. Were the, those the surgical scenes? Possibly, yes. Yes, yes. I, I must admit that I... I was dreading that coming back again because, look, it it was very much a case of Chekhov's gun. That machine happened to be in there for for reasons. Oh, um, yes, we that were carefully explained as to. We have this this thing that we're calling a lifeboat. That that won't be important. No, we've we've got this machine that's very expensive and does medical stuff by itself yes with with no requirement for human intervention no no so if you're in lots of trouble you can operate on yourself mm. yes um but that's not going to come a, into play a, lo- a lot of Chekhov's guns yes no, none of them were things people were particularly looking for mm. they were just there and very obviously there yes Indeed. Um, so, look, as I mentioned, um, Prometheus, yeah, didn't didn't grab me as much as they were possibly hoping. Uh, obviously, so much so that I didn't feel enough about any characters that were left living at the end of it to want to know what happened to them. Obviously, because there's a sequel. Yes, and that I didn't realise, <laughs> silly old me, that um, because Ridley Scott played up so much that Prometheus wasn't a sequel to Aliens or an Aliens film, and then it obviously was. But mm. um, I guess I went into denial that he was going to continue playing that card. So when um, Alien Covenant came out i guess i just skipped it mm. not knowing that it is actually apparently the sequel to a prometheus mm. where we find out 
possibly what happens to those who you don't care about <laughs> that i didn't really care about no no see i mean that's the interesting question okay at the end of alien did you care about what happened to sigourney weaver's character yeah i suppose so afterwards yeah okay were you satisfied at the beginning of aliens ah you found out yeah yeah okay were you concerned about what happened to those who survived at the end of aliens enough to want to find out what happened to them maybe right okay fair enough uh, i mean gauging from your opinion of uh, or, or your feelings for those movies uh, it's it's just not you nah. really okay so tonight could be a, a bit of a slog for both of us in fact mm. but um, that's what this podcast is for it was on the shelf it was bought cheap um and uh, <laughs> bought cheap and not knowing that it was actually the sequel to prometheus apparently right. Uh, I'm going to be surprised if it let's, isn't after all this, but let's let's take a little peek into into the slog, shall we? Okay, so so, so this is Alien Covenant. I'm holding it in my hand, and yeah. I'm going to read the blurb. Thomas is going to read the blurb, and I'm going to let him. The crew of the colony ship Covenant, bound for a remote planet on the far side of the galaxy, discovers what they think is an uncharted paradise but is actually a dark, dangerous world. Of course it is. When they uncover a threat beyond their imagination, they must attempt a harrowing escape. Okay, so maybe it's not. Because there is no mention of... Um, because that's a colony ship. Mm. Okay, so who knows? I could be... Why, why, why does it have to be a harrowing escape? Why does it have to be a, par- a paradise planet that looks absolutely wonderful and turns out not to be? Mm. But we need a harrowing escape because all of these films have harrowing escapes. Mm. Um, we hope. Yes. <laughs> and we're about to find out because we're going to unwrap. Yeah. Uh, unwrapped. The disc is unwrapped and Thomas is going to open the case. Ta-da! He's going to find out that the disc inside is not Alien Covenant, but is in fact Max Bygrave's greatest hits on CD. um, mm. Okay, it's not. Um, He's going to take the disc out and he's going to pop it into the DVD player and we're going to watch it and we'll catch you on the flip side. Bye. suppose um yes 
is um, it didn't give me that sick feeling. Right. Um, um, which I suppose says something about the surgery scene from Prometheus. Yeah. Yes. Because nothing else is going on with that. There's, there's nothing intercut with the surgery scene. It is just that, and it goes on oh. for yeah for some time. Yeah, yeah. Um, but oh, look, it was completely unnecessary. Um, it it it's just it just keeps going over the same thing. Um, you know, <laughs> tweak, tweaking the story. Land on a ship lands on planet, gets contaged, and uh, attempts escape, and then launches alien out of airlock, and all is right with the world, except is it? Mm. And in, in this circumstance, we find the answer out is that explicitly. This is a spoiler break, so if you don't want spoilers, then leave before this sound. No, it's not. No, <laughs> um, but you know that was really the only twist to the so much better done story of Alien. I tire of it. <laughs> you having said all that. I think this is the one of the four I've seen that I've actually liked the most. Interesting. Okay. Fair enough. Um, And when I was watching it, I I was thinking if this had been the beginning story, the the first of the lot, I can possibly understand that. But but even then, it, it didn't know whether it wanted the tenseness and the claustrophobia of the first uh, Alien movie, or the running terror of the Aliens movie. It was a a mashup of that. I don't know. It didn't do either of those as well as the first two movies, in my opinion. I don't know if I have my thoughts well formulated enough to provide any meaningful input. We'll we'll see where that goes. It might not go anywhere. Yeah. I do have one thing to say that I. The, the, Did the you moment, do some research? The mo- no. The moment it came up in the film. Yeah. I I had to start up a, a a note for it. Oh okay. Yep. Why <laughs> does a vital evacuation warning from the ship's computer not override a music player? <laughs> yes. Why? Why? Oh, look, there are so many whys in this. Constantly, you know, why did they do this? Why did they uh, do that? And even though everyone has expressed their misgivings of of certain things, why did they do that? And what? And it, I don't think they could justify anything. I mean, the the looking into the egg, mm. you know, after the captain had his suspicions well and truly confirmed that David was some kind of mm. malfunctioning, you know, he said, trust me, uh, would you try? <laughs> you no. Know, this thing is opening up. Go on, have a look, trust me. 
(laughs) Just... Yeah, okay. We we have established that there are deadly, deadly aliens here. Yeah. And they can come from people. So Uh, why can they not come from heads? So far also, they'd come from from nowhere as far as half the team is concerned. Suddenly, team members have shown symptoms of some illness and then suddenly aliens have burst out of them. So, you know, every single experience of aliens they've had so far is something unexpectedly bursting out. Mm. So if you're told to look into something and, oh, there's something squirming around in there... Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It, it, again, I felt was poorly scripted like the, like Prometheus, um, the lines were were too theatrical a lot of times. And admittedly, most of those were delivered by David, who, by his nature, was that kind of character, mm. quoting things left, right and centre. And Anyway, I... I liked the musical bookends. Yes. The idea at the start of the film that just the piano is an incomplete representation of that piece of music. Yes. And we get to the end, and we finally get to listen to it in its full glory. Yep. As David has completed what he intends to do. Yep. Yep. Perhaps I've been spoiled. It it has been a number of years since I've watched Alien and Aliens, but I've watched them many times, and every single time I've watched them, I've been in awe of them. They haven't aged for me, whereas for you, as far as pacing issues in the first one, look, I still love the pacing of that. It is the pacing of a thriller um, suspense movie rather than a, a horror, rather than an action movie, and, and I can accept that. Um, but oh, right, language, oh. <laughs> language. Okay, so so <laughs> Prometheus, Prometheus, um, Ridley Scott uh, made a PG thirteen cut and an R cut because he wasn't sure what Fox was going to allow through, and in the end. Uh, the PG-13 cut went to the wayside and was released as R. I don't think that he had that problem with this film. No, no. <laughs> it was punctuated left, right and centre with uh, furry words. And, mm. and uh, look, I, I have worked in workplaces where there really isn't much of a language barrier happening. Right. But that was just... It was a lot. It was a lot, and and it really was. I've become somewhat jaded as as far as uh, language is concerned, mm. but it really, it was over the top. I think, for the, like, yeah, like in this actual situation, if it was actually happening, would they do that that often? Uh, Probably? Probably, but there were scenes where, no, it was overwrought with that. Yeah. I think I'm hating on it, possibly. 
just because of the nonsensical nature of it that there are a lot of things that they couldn't justify that uh, again with the alien aliens um movies everything could be pretty much justified as to to actions that happened i think Mm. so that that puts me in a bit of a dilemma i cannot see myself watching that again and backtracking a prometheus i think falls into that category as well so (laughs) ah I think it's very much like my feelings towards The Matrix. Right. Um, loving The Matrix and really not liking the, the two other films. I'm in denial that they. I can live without them right. existing. I can live with Alien and Aliens existing without the rest mm. of the, the, the saga, the long drawn out saga existing to be brutally honest i think i actually and i'm going to cop a lot of flack for this i think i enjoyed as a movie aliens versus predator more than the film that we watched just then and yeah i'm probably gonna cop some flack there but um yeah it was just a um Within the confines and the construct of the film, the things that happened in Aliens vs. Predator made more logical sense than Mm. the movie today. Right. Which you haven't seen, but mm. so and it, it's a rubbish film too. But but it's it's staying on the shelf. Um, <laughs> Until I watch it again and find mm. out, oh my goodness, what was I thinking? Um, yeah, so I, I have no compulsion to hang on to Alien, whatever it's called. Alien Covenant. <laughs> Alien Covenant. Um. Um, except for the fact that, oh, look, no, I, I have no real interest whatsoever in seeing... If there is going to be another one, I don't know whether there's a sequel plan. So, the Fox merger happened, and at the moment what Disney is saying that they are working on some alien content of some kind right. with Ridley Scott. Okay. So, we'll see where that goes. Yeah, All as, right. as far as Alien Covenant goes, I think I'm going to have to see it at least once more. All right. And I don't know where that's going to go. Okay, fair enough. Um, it may well go towards your side project podcast. Mm. So. As, as soon as I work out what I'm doing with what I'm tentatively calling the bad movies episode. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough. Um, all right. So the pile of disposables are piling up but haven't gone anywhere. So... Um, mm. If you do feel the urge, you can grab it from that pile. And yes. But I do believe that Prometheus is actually going to be added to it because uh, I don't know whether it's because of the Ripley character being so strong and so likeable and enough to worry about and 
there's I certainly didn't feel for any of the characters in Prometheus and the only character that I really ended up having any connection with we know is dead now mm. so let's move on yeah weird conclusion <laughs> yeah they're both going in my opinion and, and it's my collection so <laughs> you can stick them on your shelf if yeah. you want them um uh, all right meanwhile meanwhile on on the main shelf yes what what what's on it what's on the shelf it it's probably dvds What's on the shelf? You know it's probably DVDs. Okay, we've had a couple of additions onto yep. the list. So we're currently running at how many? 19. 19. 19. All right then, well, let's spin the bottle. Jill suggests The Hunter with Willem Dafoe. Which is set, and some of it filmed, in Tasmania. Yes. It involves a certain possibly or possibly not extinct animal. Mm-hmm. Spoilers if you haven't seen it. Have you seen it? So this is interesting. Uh, be- before we do the podcast, uh, Dad uh, goes through the suggestions on our Facebook page, link in the show notes, and adds them to a spreadsheet and goes through and points out which ones we've seen and which ones have been on the shelf and which ones are Blu-rays. And when you put this one into the sheet, oh, what did you I do? had assumed that I hadn't seen it. Did I? But in fact, I had seen it. Oh. I had seen it with you. It with was on me. SBS On Demand. Ah, now that's ringing bells. Okay. Um, and I believe someone else who was watching it with us walked out. That's after right. a short amount, a short of, amount time. of time. Because it was a bit of a sleeper, wasn't it? Yes, and and I think it had some some language, language. issues. Yep. Yep. Um, yeah. So um, we have seen it. Yes. On SBS, the special broadcast service of Australia. Mm-hmm. But it is not on the shelf. No, it is not. It's actually fairly difficult, or it was, when I initially heard about it, to get your hands on it. It was released in limited release here from Recollection, um, and then disappeared, and I didn't get to see it then. And there was no sign of it. I believe it has had a DVD release. But yeah, it's on Google Play Movies. You can get it from Stan. Yeah, that, those weren't around when... Oh, so it is on Stan. It now. is on Stan. Okay. Now. But it is not on the shelf. No. Um, Blu-ray or DVD or otherwise. So, a definite two-pointer there. Mm-hmm. And, look... It's it's a bit obscure, isn't it? Is it is obscure, I'm going to give it a multiplier of... It is obscure, but because of the common knowledge of my interest in the said uh, supposedly extinct Australian marsupial, Tasmanian marsupial, mm-hmm. um, it's not going to be a high multiplier, but yes, it, it, it is going to get a multiplier of 
Okay. Three points. Which gives Jill three points and uh, is added to the leaderboard that none of you know about. Nope. But is currently under construction in a warehouse in... In, in a top secret location that's just right. off the M4. <laughs> <laughs> just off the m4 yes. yes good um so well done jill thank you for that suggestion and for those of you who are interested in uh, contributing a suggestion to our what's on the shelf where you get to take a risk take a plunge Think of a film that may be on our shelf that hasn't been mentioned before in the podcasts and also common series like the Star Trek movies and Harry Potter movies. And and Star Wars a couple of Star times Wars, over. Yeah. <laughs> uh, apart from those, you'll you get a, a multiplier of m- minus numbers there. Mm. Um, yeah. See if you can come up with a film that... We have both watched and is on the shelf that is quite obscure and you'll get a good multiplier and a really high score. And if it turns out to be on Blu-ray... Ooh. Ooh. Think of the points. Think of the points. Or don't. Okay. (laughs) So, there's your challenge. The link is on the show notes to our Facebook page where at the top of the Facebook page there is the contributing list that you can Mm -hmm. add to all right let's move on shake the phone and pick a film and then we'll watch the film next week okay so we have the fancy dancy schmancy app Mm -hmm. that is all ready to go here Mm -hmm. i'm giving it a little pre-shake um my phone has all of the DVDs we have on the shelf. It is now randomly selecting one from the movies that are still under wraps. Thomas is giving it the final shake. And... 2005's The World's Fastest Indian. Oh, excellent. A film that we are not going to have to hide behind cushions like Thomas was doing during all of the Alien, Aliens, Prometheus, Covenant movies. That is that is a misrepresentation. <laughs> and hanging on to his wooby. Nah. And nah. biting on his thumb. Nope. <laughs> a nice laid back movie about a motorbike and a New Zealander riding said motorbike. Played by an Englishman who also played a serial killer. Mm. Yes. <laughs> I, I, I haven't seen that film, but I do know what you're talking about. <laughs> no, I haven't either. There, you can rest assured that any of the Silence of the Lambs series is not on the shelf. So, before you start typing those in, we have no Silence of Lambs or Hannibal Mm. Lecter. (laughs) Okay. So, um, do you want to read the blurb just so that we know what we're in for? Let's let's go through the blurb, shall we? Anthony Hopkins stars as Bert Munro, a man whose story continues to amaze and inspire today. 
in the late 1960s, Bert set off from New Zealand to clock his bike at the Bonneville Salt Flats in Utah, a 68-year-old man with a bad heart and a shoestring budget. A 47-year-old bike with makeshift tyres, no brakes and no chute. The odds were well and truly stacked against Bert. Yet, with his irrepressible charm and indomitable spirit, he sets a land speed record that has never been bested. Oh, spoilers! Well, I don't think there's any point watching it then. We know how it ends. All right, no, we will watch... T- um, it's about the journey. I'm quite looking forward to watching that. I have heard good things. In fact, my father-in-law has watched that, and he has asked me in the past whether I have seen it, and that is why I picked it up. Out of a bargain bin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, next week, the world's fastest Indian. Is that what it's called? Yes. Um and we'll watch that and decide whether it stays on the shelf. Until then, enjoy your own film watching, and we'll enjoy ours, and we'll catch you next week. Bye. I really, really don't know. Okay, are we ready? Now, last week... (laughs) Yes. When that was on your lap, there were lots of rattly, rattly, rattly mm. noises. So let's not do that this time. <laughs> hello, and welcome to Still Under Wraps. Hello, hello. <clears throat> hello. Hello, hello, and welcome to Still Under Wraps. My name is Boris, and with me as always. Mm-hmm. <clears throat>